Good evening and welcome, everybody. It is good to see you on this fine and lovely Sunday evening. For those who don't know me, I'm Daniel. I'm a pastor here, been a pastor here for uh, quite a while, actually. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about the church, which may not be all that surprising. You're like, well, I'm here. Do you really need to talk about it, though? Um, I you have to start with, I love the church. And some of you guys look at me like, yeah, you're a pastor. That's your job. Of course you love the church. But no, like, I have always loved the church. Um, for those who don't know, I'm second generation pastor. And so growing up, church was always a big part of life. I remember like all growing up, services, lots and lots and lots of services. Um, some people think we have a lot of services now. That's because they haven't been around long enough. Um, years ago, some of these people are nodding their head. They're like, I've been here for 30 years. I remember the Saturday nights, the four Sunday mornings and the double Sunday nights and then the, the Wednesday nights. And um, but I remember just going to them, but not just going to them. It wasn't just my parents dragging me because they needed to be here. Like, I loved to be here. I remember that my parents would drive separate because dad had to be here a bit earlier and mom still needed to get ready. And like, it was a race to make sure that you could get here extra early with dad because being here for three services just wasn't enough. And I remember sleeping in one morning. I say sleeping in, I mean, I woke up at like 7 or 7.30 and dad had to be here shortly thereafter and being so proud that I woke up and made it out the door with my dad who was leaving in two minutes. From, from the time you woke up, went, oh, crud, to grabbing clothes, running down the stairs, putting them on, like running out the door, like with a belt halfway in hand, shoes in hand, like I can finish getting dressed in the car. I don't know that I brushed my teeth that day, but this is the point. Was that there was this, this desire, this like I, I want to be there. It wasn't just, I'm getting drugged. I want to be at church. And when I got into high school, I still wanted to be at church. I, I will confess, I don't think I was here for every single service. I didn't normally do the Saturday night or the 8 a.m. Sunday morning because I was up too late on Saturday night. So, but I would make it to the 9.30, the 11, and the 12.30, the 5 p.m., and the Wednesday service. Um, we, it, it was, this is, this is just, I don't know, it's been such a part of me. I've just grown to love it. And I left home, I went to college, and it was a long ways away, about 10,000 miles, so you don't commute. Um, and as soon as I, I landed, I landed in Australia where I was going to go to school, I had a decision to make. Like, I'm going to get lots of, of church. I'm at a Bible school. We're going to have five chapels a week outside of any of the church services, outside of all of our Bible classes. Like, am I going to dive in? Like, what am I going to do? It took me, I think, 13 hours to be at church serving. Um, so I landed Thursday morning, Thursday night. I was inside of Hillsong Kids serving um, for the ladies. And then the next day, I'm like, all right, where's the youth? And they're like, oh, it's over here. I'm like, you need a volunteer. They're like, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, sweet, stick me in. I'm coming. I'm here. They're like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Daniel. I'm here for Bible college. I came from Michigan and I'm ready to serve. They're like, all right, well, here's kids. And so um, I jumped in and it, it took me you know, literally less than a day and I'm, I'm in. And then I remember, I'm like, all right, I'll be there for Saturday night, double Sunday morning, Sunday night. I'll be there at the chapels. I, I, I'm in this because I, I love church. I love being a part of God's church. And then I got thinking about this, and this is a Sunday night group. So this isn't, you guys aren't looking at me too weird because you're here on Sunday night. You love church or someone that you know loves church and drug you here. So welcome. Um, but there's this thing and you go, okay, well, why? Why are you here? Why are you at church sitting down instead of being at the park, instead of watching your favorite show on Netflix or sitting in the hammock or having a bonfire as the 
climate has finally begun to cool down a little bit and get ready for deer season. Um, but you go, well, why? And some of you guys are real quick to, to go, well, the Bible says to. All right, Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Because the Bible says so is a good enough reason to do anything. I'm just going to start there. But, but why does it say so? I don't know if you ever asked that question. You're like, you know, there's some times where dad just used to you know, pull out the, you're like, why? And he would just get the, because I said so. And you're like, all right, well, maybe I'll understand someday. But right now I'm just going to obey. But, and and that's, that's valid. And you can do it just because God said so. But I think there's a lot of people who come to church because they're supposed to who are missing out. Because yes, they're obeying and they're here, but they're missing out on much of what church is all about. And you go through and you go, well, then what is it about? And some will look and you go, well, it's where we worship. It's where we hear a good sermon. I am all about a good sermon. And hopefully when you leave, you're like, I got one of those. But um, do you realize how many incredible preachers and teachers have podcasts? Just before service, I counted inside my phone. I have 26 different um, podcast streams that I try to listen to. There is a lot of incredible teaching. Is that why you're here? Because if, if so, I've got really tough competition. Um, but the Bible says that he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or pastors, teachers, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So yes, being taught, being, hearing, hearing good messages, being equipped is part of why you're here. It's part of what church is about. Um, in Hebrews, it goes through and, and the writer, he addresses them and he goes, you guys should be teachers by now, but you need to be taught in the basics of your faith. And he goes, this is like entry level baby Christianity. And he rolls out a bunch of these things and he goes, you need to be taught. He's like, yes, this is important. So don't, don't think I'm like underrating those. Those are very important. But even with those, there's something many people are missing. Because if I'm going to be honest with you, you can hear incredible messages through your phone. We have an incredible worship band, but you can have awesome worship via YouTube in your living room. If you have not tried that, try it sometime. It's awesome. But there's more. See, these things, some of this you can do online, but there's some things that you can't do. And there's some things that just because you showed up in the building doesn't mean you engaged in. See, in Genesis chapter 2, God said something profound. See, God makes the world, and he does a good job. He's God. He's, he's, he's doing this, and he makes something, and he looks at it, and he goes, wow, that's good. And then you see at the end of a day, and he makes some more things, and it says that God looked at what he had made, and it was good. And he keeps going through this and he makes stuff and then he says it was good. And then he makes man. And like, this is like the climax. Like you've had all of this great creating and you get to the end and you've said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. Let him have dominion over the earth. And like, this is not just a creation. This is the creation that's going to oversee and rule over the rest of your creation. And he gets done making man. And you know what he says? This is not good. 
it for real. He goes, it is not good that man should be alone. Now, God's immediate answer was to make a wife. Hallelujah. Okay, so this is, that, that is great. I love my wife. Um, but what God said goes beyond just being married. He goes, it's not good for man to be alone. Jesus fulfilled God's purpose and he wasn't married. Paul talks about, and he, he says, it's okay to be single. So it is, when, when, when God says it's not good to be, for a man to be alone, it's not just talking about marriage because you can be a single individual and fulfill God's plans for your life but you cannot be an island and fulfill God's plan for your life. See, God said you were not meant to be alone. We are meant to be in community. And if you are an island, you are missing out on so much of what you were created for. When God looked at a perfect man that he made, he said, it is not good that man be alone. And, and like psychologists see this. I, I was going through some stuff. Ralph Nichols said that the basic, most basic of all human needs is a need to, be under, to understand and to be understood. But Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, if you study psychology, you're going to study him. Um, he lists this and he goes through, there's, there's some things that you need. He's like, number one, you need to breathe. If I take away your ability to breathe, you will freak out, forget everything else, and you want air. Um, this is pretty, so pretty simple. Uh, but he goes, once you get air, you're going to want water. And then he's like, then you're going to need food. Like you will put yourself, if you literally have no food, you will put yourself in great danger to find food. He goes, number one, you need breath, you need water, you need food. And as soon as you have those, you are going to look for some kind of safety. You don't really want to take on a bear. If a bear is running from you, you run and you try to get away. You don't think about much else. But as soon as you are safe, you have air, you have water, you've got food and you're somewhat safe. He goes, then you want to be loved. He goes, this is just, you, you, you are innately, like this is built into you that you need connection. You are not made to be alone. But we live in a society that is the most connected, disconnected society of all time. We have Facebook so that you can count your friends that you don't talk to. And you sit there and you're like, I have thousands of friends. And you're like, you see some of them. I, I've had this. People are like, hi. I'm like, hey. And they're like, we're friends. I'm like, we are? Yeah, on Facebook. I'm like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> but nice to see you, friend. Like, but there's this thing where people have all of this artificial connection with people that they don't, they would barely shoot the breeze with. And they're like, well, I have friends, but you're still all alone. We have, years ago, they used to have like castles with, you know, moats around them and like a drawbridge. Did you know that people still have those today? Yeah, it's called a garage door. And all these people, they, they, they come up to their house, they reach out their window to get their mail, then they come up their little driveway, hit the button, lest somebody see them and start talking to them. The garage door goes up, they pull in, they hit the button again, put the car in park, and wait for it to shut all the way before exiting the vehicle to make sure that a neighbor does not see you, greet you, or talk to you. Um, not saying that you would ever do that, but this is this, this thing that has become part of American culture. I remember I grew up with a driveway that was excessive. Like, our driveway was a quarter mile long. So people didn't come up your driveway on accident. We got married. I moved into a neighborhood. I'm like, this is weird. Um, but we're in a neighborhood, and we left our garage door open. And our neighbor 
shows up and she brought, I think she brought zucchini muffins, so I'm not complaining. But she shows up and she's like, your garage door was open. That's an invitation. I'm like, oh, cool. Is that how this works? And you look down the street and there's all these shut garage doors. <laughs> and wow, this is this, this thing where we have a need to be connected. We have a need for fellowship, yet so often we're isolated. So often we're alone. Um, the church in Romans 12, verse 5, it says, though many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. He says that as the church, we're supposed to be one body. You're, you're part of the family of believers. You have become part of, if you have made Jesus your Lord, you have become part of a family. We've become part of the body. As part of the body, you want the body to be connected. When parts of your body become disconnected, it is a problem. You want all of them attached. If one part of your body stops talking to the rest of your body, it is a problem. I know this. When I was in Africa, um, some years ago, I was on a mission trip there, and on a mission trip in foreign countries, you do things differently than you do at home. At home, there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of laws, there's a lot of things that are there to keep you safe. In other countries, you just do what needs to be done. And so we had a team or two teams that needed to go somewhere, and we had one bus to get us there. And so they, they had this, this bus, but it had a cooler in the back, like a big cooler, like the width of the, the bus, and it was maybe five feet across. And so they're like, well, how are we going to fit everybody in here? The, the thing isn't going to fit everybody. It's so like, all right, we'll stick all the girls inside with the seats. Guys, you're going to ride with the food and things in the cooler. And we're like, all right, that's exciting. It, it, it's a cooler. Like, it kind of shuts an airtight. We don't really want to suffocate. They're like, ah, good point. All right, we're going to open the door a couple inches and tie a rope to it so that the door doesn't go swinging open while you're going down the road. This is brilliant, right? So they just pile us all in here and they, they tie the door, you know, so it's got a little vent, so we're getting some air slash dust. You know, anyways, we're all in there. It's pretty dark. And while we get in there, you kind of get situated quick before they shut the door because you can't see anything when it's mostly shut. Well, I got sitting on the edge of this crate and that's just where I ended up for this bouncy ride for however long we were there. And we're bouncing along and we're chatting happily in the back of the cooler until we finally arrive at our destination. We arrive at our destination, I go to step out. What I didn't realize was that the, the way that the crate was pushed up against my leg, it had cut off the circulation to one of my legs. So I go to step down and realize that I cannot feel my leg. Like, it's not tingly, like, it's not there. I'm like, what is going on? And I like crash out of there, like, you okay? I'm like, I think I will be okay. And you're like dragging this thing for a while. You're like, it's going to come back to me. And then it starts to tingle. You're like, oh, that's not pleasant. And, and, and eventually it came back too. But there's a term, if, if part of your body doesn't communicate with the rest of your body, you're crippled. It's crippling. When it's your hand, when it's your foot, when it won't communicate with the rest of you, it cripples you. If we are a body of believers and we're isolated and we're not connecting to the body, then we're crippling the body. Because every part of the body matters. Um, 
Here's this, this thing. You matter. You are important. And when someone says that at first, you can be like, whatever. And if you like really think about it and you're like, I matter, it kind of feels good. But there's a problem. If you matter, you know what that means? You matter. If you matter, if you are important, then you have a role to play. And if you don't play your part, then we're missing something that matters. And a lot of times, it's very easy for people to go, okay, well, I came to church. I raced in, I sat down, or I stood up, they sang, I sang, I sat, I heard, I raced out. But as a part of the body, we're supposed to be connected. We're supposed to be part of something. We're supposed to fellowship. He said, let us stir up one another. There's talks about teaching, but here he's talking about us stirring up one another. This is a conversation that's going to happen not just between the man on the stage and the people in the seats, but this is going to happen between us who are part of the, the body. In fact, when Jesus talks to his disciples and he goes, this is how the world is going to recognize you as my followers. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, they're going to recognize you because you carry a big black book. They're not going to recognize you. He didn't say, they're going to recognize you because you're going to gather in this building. And in the building, there'll be lots of you. Therefore, they will know that you're my disciples. But, but that's what a lot of people, like practically speaking, that's kind of their, like, their mark. And he goes, no, no. They're going to know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. He goes, you're going to be part of a body and you're going to love one another. In fact, there's a whole bunch of one another's. I'm going to read you a couple of the one another's because this is, this is part of what you're supposed to do. This is part of what you're supposed to be. He says that you are supposed to love one another, that you're supposed to be members of one another, united to one another, of one mind, to be kindly to one another, affectionate to one another, honoring one another, giving preference to one another, to help one another instead of judging one another, to welcome one another, receive one another, admonish one another, greet one another, serve one another, forgive one another, worship and study to, together with one another, submit to one another, speak truth to one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, confess to one another, pray for one another, minister to one another, fellowship with one another, and bear one another's burdens. To list a few. And there's, there's all of this, but you do realize that, that you cannot do that on your own. That there's all of this one anothering that you can't do. And there's this teaching that has gotten heard and slightly misunderstood. Where people would look and they'd be like, this is not the church. You are the church. Well, that's kind of right. We are the church. You are not the church. We are. The church literally means gathering. We are the gathering. The building is just a building. We are the gathering. But unless you're schizophrenic, you cannot be a gathering of yourself. <laughs> so we have to come together. We, in order for you to one another, you need another. Like this is just pretty, pretty simple. He's like, you need to gather to one, one with another. You're supposed to love one another and, and that whole list of things. And, and, and God has given you different gifts because 
You matter because you are part of the body and the body doesn't need a thousand hands. It needs feet. It needs eyes. It needs a nose. It even needs a butt. Like it needs all of the different parts and we have different parts to play. And he says to each is given, this is 1 Corinthians 12, 7, each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. He goes, God gave you a gift that's not for you. God gave you a gift. And he said it's for the common good. Now, let's just say I wanted to send you something and I was, I had more money and I had some of it to spare and I decided to send you a thousand dollars. How many of you guys would accept? Think that'd be great? How many guys, yeah, yeah. Some of you guys don't want to raise your hand, then you can send it to me. This is great. Okay, so, um, but if I was to send this, but the mail delivery man was to look and go, mm, you know what? I don't feel like delivering the mail today. I feel like jalapeno lime chips. Mm, yes, they're good. I think I'll have some jalapeno lime chips, maybe some root beer, Dr. Pepper, and I'm going to watch some Netflix. I'm going to collect all the mail, and I'm going to take it with me. Maybe it's going to help me out. I'll see what they got. Now, what you guys all recognize, you're like, that's a felony. The mailman can't take my mail. Don't you dare. Like, like there's just like this, you can't do that. That's stupid. That's absurd. They wouldn't do that. Like, rises up inside you. But if for the mailman to take what I sent you, when he was the delivery person, if he was to take what he's supposed to deliver, you say, that's robbery. If God made us his delivery people for his gifts, if we hold them all to ourselves, what have we just done? See, if we're a body, if we're his hands and feet, and he goes, I have given you a gift to share with her, and she's got a gift to share with him, and he's got a gift to share with the guy over here, and he's got a gift to help this person over here, and he gave us all of these different gifts, and we go, well, I'm just going to hide with my moat. I'm going to put the moat down so no one talks to me, and I'm going to hide, and I'm going to pass the time because I now have Netflix plus a thousand channels, and it's all about, all of a sudden we get so easily isolated, and he goes, no, no, no. There's a gift. And a lot of us go, well, yeah, but I, but I don't sing. But I'm not a preacher. I don't have a church gift. Pastor Duane mentioned just a couple weeks ago something really cool. The first spot in the Bible where the Bible talks about someone being filled with the Spirit of the Lord, it wasn't a pastor. It wasn't a worship leader. It was a tradesman. He goes, God filled him with the spirit of the Lord so that he could make amazing things. And he did all this different fine work because he was anointed with the spirit of the Lord. He was filled with the spirit of the Lord. God has given us different gifts. He has placed his spirit on us and he has given us weird, some of them are weird, some of them are strange, different gifts. And let's be real, most anybody's gift who's different than you is strange. IT people, I love you. You're weird, okay? Like, you talk with them and they're like, blah, blah, blah. you're like, is that English? They're like, yeah. Like, are you sure? That's only spoken at IT conventions. Do you know that? Like, but they have a gift and they bring it to the body and they can help somebody else. And you talk to a mechanic and they use words and you're like, say what? Can you make it work? Yes. Yeah. You have a gift. It's not my gift, but I'm sure glad you got it. See, you can download a sermon 
but you can't download a family. Um, there's times where you will be the person who you are called to be the person who is God's hands. And, and that can look like a thousand different things. It, for me, it often, it's like, oh, I'm going to go help this person move this, lift this, carry this, install this, take this apart, whatever. Um, I have friends that call me like, oh, I need help with this pipe's leaking, this is working, whatever. My wife's like, sees every little stranger, every baby. He's like, can I keep them? Like, some people want to keep dogs. My wife wants to keep people, like, all the time. And it's like, oh, can we help them? Can we serve them? Can we... Can we do this? Can we help them find a home? Can we help make sure that this kid doesn't end up in foster care and can go back to their family and works with um, different, different organizations that, that do this, does this? But I can say there's been times when I've been on the other end of this. There's been times where, where we were in desperate, desperate need. Um, when we had our first kid, um, labor did not go very well. Uh, and my wife pulled a muscle had a C-section, and so recovery was, um, was long. During that time, she was better-ish, like uh, enough that I could be gone during the night. I, had, I was teaching, I was running the junior high, and we had a junior high all-nighter, um, which is crazy, but we had a lot of fun, and there was lots of chaos that was going on, and my phone ended up somewhere. Uh, I think it was in the gym where there was music cranking and there was a game called Castle Wars, which is a variation of dodgeball that's absolutely nuts going on. And we're playing and at three or four in the morning, unbeknownst to me, my wife got sick and on top of trying to deal with the fact that she has trouble getting up, she's now trying to hold a baby and throw up and different things and needs help and is trying to call me and I am somewhere dealing with 100 junior high boys while my phone is ringing somewhere else. Here, what does she do? Well, my parents are gone a lot. They are awesome, but they travel a lot. And my mother-in-law is awesome, and she travels a lot. And so she's, it's three in the morning, and you're like, well, who can you call? So she calls somebody from church. She calls somebody from this family. And at three in the morning, a lady's like, all right, give me 10 minutes. I'll be there. And ten, three, or, three in the morning, she shows up at my house. And I think by four in the morning, she got a hold of her husband, who was also serving at the all-nighter with all the boys. And he's like, hey, why aren't you answering your phone? I'm like, my phone? I have one of those? I'm like, where is it? He's like, your wife is sick and this. And then they, they, they took over so I could go and help. And they were there at three in the morning when he needed to help. It was this family that helped. A little bit of time goes by, and we had our next child. But that one was a bit of a surprise. Uh, or like in that he came eight weeks early and he spent 23 days in the NICU. And we had a, our boys are 16 months apart. So 16 month old keeps you busy. Baby in the NICU needs lots of love and attention and it left us a bit torn and needing help. And it was amazing to see the body come around and go, how can we help you? And she's like, I want to be there 24 hours a day, but I need to also come and see the family and like trying to balance this. And they brought us all this different food and all this different support. And it was, it was huge. Um, we had, a lot of our needs comes up around babies. I just got to notice this. But um, we, my wife ended up with a couple of ours trying not to repeat what happened with our second, ended up on bed rest for literally for months. I cannot be, like I, 
Single parents, God bless you. May he shower you with grace and favor because I was trying to be nurse, dad, provider, nurse, mom. I was trying to be all of them. I'm not good at it. Not good at all of them. The amount of help that ended up coming up, some of them it was bringing us food. Some of them it was, hey, can I come over one day a week and help you guys clean the house because you're trying to keep up with these babies and she can't get off the couch. She couldn't get off of her side for nine weeks without starting to go into labor. And we figured it was better for her to lay on her side than to have a baby um, super early. And the church came around. And it was, it was crazy because we had a need and the church met it. But when we were in the hospital with our second, this was just like this eye-opening moment for me because we had so much love and so much support. And I met, and we discovered that a lot of the people in the NICU don't have that. And there was a, a young couple who just had triplets and, and they were in need and we're at the little lounge area in the NICU and we're eating and we have like, we're like overflowing the fridge and have stuff coming out because we had so many people that brought us food. And they're sitting there and they didn't have much. We're like, here, we got food. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, man, I got so much food, it's crazy. I'm like, here, someone brought us this, someone brought us this, someone else brought us this, and someone else brought us this. And they're like, this is crazy. Your church is so awesome. I'm like, where are they all from? I'm like, oh, they're all from my church. I'm like, your church is so amazing. They care. I'm like, yeah, they care. And I'm like, and we're sharing stuff. And they're like, man, no one from our church even knows that we're here. They're like, we got like no support. And oh, I'm talking to them like, we just started going to this big church and no one even knows us yet. And um, we have a little bit of support coming from my mom's church. But this is what was crazy. We talked with them for a little bit and I, I felt it. I'm like, what church did you start going to? They're like, we just started coming to Res. And, and we talked with them, but they just started coming. They start, they'd come when worship already started, they would slip in, sit down, and then as soon as he was doing the altar call, they'd slip out and they would leave. They missed this whole like, we're a body, we're a family. And they missed it when it didn't seem to matter. And then when it mattered, they were disconnected and they were all alone. We are called to be a body and yes, we want to gather around. And when we see somebody who's disconnected, we want to, to go find them. We want to help them. We want to serve them. But we don't want to be them. We want to connect. See, this is supposed to be a place where we plug in, stir up, encourage, support, be there for each other to show love. We need to be known. We need family. See, God has called us. And as, as a body, there's amazing things. So when we begin to encourage each other, it should... see. If, if the world is supposed to recognize us by the way that we love one another, that means that we need to gather around, love one another. And you're like, what does that look like? Well, that can look like we said, whether it's going and helping somebody. Some of you guys have gifts with your hands. It's helping somebody build something, put something back together, fix, helping somebody fix their car, helping um, somebody who doesn't have the ability to pay for it, get some of this stuff done. It may be helping somebody with babies. People have different gifts. Some of you guys are like, oh, I don't know what to do. You're like, well, you know what? We have a food pantry. You want to do what Jesus said and help those that are hungry? Well, get involved with our food pantry. Some of you guys go, I don't have much for time. I'm working like crazy. Well, then put some food in the food pantry. Help put the food there. Maybe you go, you know what? Well, hey, I can help with the benevolence that the deacons oversee that they're helping people that are in need. Or maybe you can go through, go, oh, church is supporting the Dream Center. 
We have a whole list of these different ministries that church is supporting. Go get involved and go, all right, I can serve at the Dream Center or I can help support the Dream Center so that I can help people that are downtown Grand Rapids that are, that are in need or Streetlight that are helping some of those that are homeless down there or the Grand Rapids Family Promise that's trying to get families off the street, trying to get families that are homeless back into a home or wars just down the street where they're... Uh, Warring against, or sorry, women at risk. They're trying to help protect women that are at risk and fighting against sex trade. Um, you know, we've got all these different missions and orphanages that we support as a church that you can get, um, that you can support, whether that's supporting through us or going through going, here, what's the list of the missionaries on the wall? All right, let me pick one. Let me support. Let me find one whose heart beats like my heartbeat that I can be a part of, that I can support, whether that's the IPF um, foundation that's in Bangladesh or whether you go through and you go, you know what, hey, I want to be part of Cradles at Grace that helps young single girls who get pregnant, who don't know what to do and don't have the resources to take care of a baby, who goes, comes alongside them and goes, let me help you. You go, oh, we have a pregnancy resource center. We've got prayer lines. We've got spots that you can be there to pray with people. We've got needs in res kids. They've got needs in the nursery. They've got needs in the youth. There's all these opportunities for us to come together to stir. And he says, encourage one another in good works even more as the day approaches. Where we come along and we don't just, hey, it's all about me, but we go, hey, how can I serve? How can I be part of the body? How can I be his hands, his feet, his ear, his tongue? How can I be what God needs to show somebody his love in this situation? How can we do this together? Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be a body. As part of the body, you matter. And if you matter, then you matter. And if you're not doing your part, you're missed. Because we not me, not you, but we are the church and we are the body and we get to show the world God's love. We get to be his hands and feet and being part of the church, part of it is about connecting and showing God's love. As, as we look, I want to challenge everybody because there's a spot for you. If you are not serving, good news, your life is not over. You still get to serve. You can start now. It doesn't have to be inside these walls. There's lots of opportunity here. But you are part of his hand. We, the body of believers, need to be connected and we get to serve together. And when we do, it says that the world will see Jesus. Could you imagine if every person that goes to Res said, I will be his hands and feet, I will be connected. If we all encouraged each other, if we all had somebody who knew our name, if we all had people who cared, who were in our life, who had our back, if we all said, all right, I have the love of Jesus and I have people around me, now I'm gonna show that love to those that are around me. Do you, can you imagine the effect that that would have on our city? If they were to go, oh, there were these babies, but now, um, Safe Families has all these people who are keeping kids out of, out of foster care because they're stepping up. All these kids that were in foster care are finding families. All these people that were hungry are getting fed. All these people that were homeless have people that are reaching out and trying to help them. What if they were like, everyone's just looking and they're like, oh, you're here to help. Oh, you, you're from that res church, aren't you? What if it was just like, oh, you just, you, you're, you're down and out. Did you know that res people, they, they serve people, they help people, they love people. Do you know if, if, if that becomes a reality, then they go, you know what? It's because they love Jesus. Maybe that Jesus loves me. Maybe I need to know that Jesus 
that they just showed me. Because that's part of being the church. And if maybe some of you guys don't know Jesus because you haven't encountered that church, that's what we want to be. We want to be his hands and feet. Because as part of the body, we all matter. We all have a role to play. We're all supposed to be connected. And if you've never met my Jesus, he loves you so much. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to wash your sins away. He wants to do life with you. Can I get everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here and say, that's me, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God and I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One, two, three. That's me. Awesome. Who else says, that's me? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. Awesome. All right. The Bible says that whoever calls on his name will be saved. It's not a magic. It's like when someone proposes saying yes, saying yes, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Yes, I want to follow you. Yes, I make you the Lord in my life. And we're going to do that. We're going to declare him to be our Lord. So if you've done that before, or whether you raised your hand tonight, go ahead and join me as we declare him to be our Lord. Say, God, thank you for loving me. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I choose to follow you. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Give them a really big hand. All right. Now, this is the fun part. We are going to practice what we just spoke. If you need prayer, there's going to be a a team of leaders up front that would love to pray with you. If you responded, if you said, you know what, hey, I need to make Jesus my Lord, we would love to catch up with you. Otherwise, we are going to connect. We are not going to come in and bolt. We're going to connect with somebody. To make this easy, we have root beer floats, okay? So you can connect over a root beer float, and then the kids shouldn't be done until 6.15. So you have a few minutes before they're even ready so that you have time before you're chasing your kids to talk to someone, connect with somebody, meet somebody. So with that, be blessed and go connect with somebody. You guys are dismissed.